0: Hi, this is the Beach Boys. Al, Bruce, Carl, Mike,
1: Brian, and Dennis. Hi, this is David Beard. Welcome to Episode 7 of Good Vibrations of Beach Boys Podcast. Sponsored by...
2: Endless Summer Quarterly.
1: Today we're talking with author, journalist, Jim Hirsch, who, if you don't know that name, uh, Jim is responsible for working with Mike Love to help his new memoir come out, Good Vibrations, My Life as a Beach Boy. Jim worked very closely with Mike for a few years uh, to get this, uh, to bring this book to fruition. And uh, Jim is a journalist and New York Times bestselling author whose books include biographies of Willie Mays and Reuben Hurricane Carter and examinations of military issues, the healthcare system and global philanthropy. Hearst also won the Christopher Award for a walk in their shoes. Can one person change the world? Today we talk with Jim about the whole process, beginning of how he learned about the Beach Boys, and he takes us through the steps of how the book came to fruition and what he picked up along the way. In becoming familiarized with the Beach Boys history prior to beginning uh, work on Mike's book, <laughs> What aspect of the group's career was the most enlightening to you? I think what was most enlightening to me about this story
3: was just how they have endured for so many years, you know, 55 years now. That is uh, unusual, if not unprecedented, in rock and roll history. And, you know, obviously a, a lot of the credit goes to both the original music making of you know the 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 songs for which they are primarily known that were created in the 1960s but also just the endurance and durability and stamina of mike love and and bruce johnston and obviously uh, brian and al jardine play in in brian's band i mean give them all credit um but it it speaks to the power of of the music but also as as I discovered and in talking with Mike and many others, you know, it, it wasn't just the, the music. They found ways to continuously reinvent themselves over the many years with various marketing and promotional uh, ideas and gimmicks and just way, ways to try to insinuate themselves into the culture in some ways so that they never got old. And so uh, I think, to me, that's what's most extraordinary. Now, you, know, you see, for example, uh, bands that do reunion tours, and they're and they're very successful, like um, the Grateful Dead and uh, the Rolling Stones, and those kind of – But uh, the, the Beach Boys don't do re- reunion tours. They're, they're doing now what they did 50 plus years ago, and and to me, that is. Is, is I think the most uh, surprising and, and inspiring thing about this group
1: during your same, same question prior to working on the actual book but kind of learning their the group's history what did you find the most alarming
3: well the, the most alarming thing uh, you know beyond the self-destruction in the group through drugs and, and alcohol uh, that Almost all of them were involved in it at some point, uh, but, but, but primarily, you know, Brian um, uh, and, and Dennis, and to a certain extent, Carl. Um, w- what was most alarming to me that I didn't know about was that, um, you know, the just the betrayal that went on within the group. Um, you know, starting with Murray Wilson. I, I think what surprised me the most about the history of the Beach Boys is, is how there are some chapters of that history that have been swept under under the rug and, and for reasons that are really hard to fully understand. And, and the, the one chapter I specifically am referring to is the, the part that had to do with uh, Mike not receiving credit and compensation for the songs that he wrote in the 1960s. And this ultimately led to... Uh, a lawsuit that Mike had to file against Brian and Mike won the lawsuit and he uh, and, and he, he he got the credit that he deserved he, he never got the money but what was so troubling about this history is it's not so much that it happened, but that um, this is probably the, the the single largest case of fraud in music history but no one knows about it, and I think that's been frustrating for uh, for Mike and, and for his family because uh, Mike paid a, a serious, a significant price for what happened to him, and yet uh, for some reason that has never really
0: been recognized uh, by the larger public. Round round, get around. I get, get, around, get around. Yeah, get, get around. around round, round, round round, I get around. I get around. I get around.
3: This is Alan Boyd, and you're listening to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys podcast.
1: Once you got started on the book, I mean, I guess from the beginning of the process to the end of the process, how long did the book take to put together?
3: It was about a two-year process. I mean, I, I first met Mike in the summer of 2013, but then it took a long time before we decided to actually work together and kind of agree on how this was going to work and, and then getting the proposal together and then finding the right publisher. So in terms of, of how much time I actually spent on it, if you were to go you know, week after week, it was probably a two-year investment of time.
1: Okay, okay. And what, what interviews were the most memorable and helpful uh, maybe that's two questions. That may be two questions. You tell me.
3: Yeah. Um, so, so just to explain a bit how how the the process worked, um, uh, I spent a lot of time with Mike. Uh, not surprisingly, where I would I would go out to his home, whether it was his home in in Lake Tahoe or his home in San Diego County. And it wasn't just like that. I would fly out there and stay in a hotel and then come to his house for a couple of hours. I, I moved in with Mike for three or four days at a time. And uh, as I'm sure you can appreciate, David, it's, it, if you really want to learn about somebody, just move in with them for a few days. And and you, you get a real sense of the of the dynamic of the family and the friends and how that person actually lives his his life and and it was great I mean Mike and his wife Jacqueline could not have been more open and gracious with me and so i, I certainly learned a great deal uh, about the the beach Boys just in the in the in those trips and basically living with mike and and his family for those three or four days at a time, which I did re- repeatedly over that one and a half. Two-year period. Um, in terms of other interviews beyond Mike and 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 his immediate family that were extremely helpful, um, you know certainly uh, uh, interviews with 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 guys in the band right now. Um, Jeff Foskett, who who was in Brian's band for many years and has been friends with Mike and and, and the guys since the mid 1970s. You know he he was a great resource for me um scott totten the current band director gave me a phenomenal tutorial on music them not just the beach boys music but music history and music in in general um one thing that that scott did when he joined the beach boys is he he went back and listened to the original tapes that brian created in in the early 1960s and really tried to Drill down into those tapes to try to do everything possible to recreate the sound on stage now that Brian created back in the in the early '60s in the studio. And one reason the band is so good right now is because Scott, with the help of uh, of, of others, have been able to recreate that sound. Um, other great interviews: um, John Stamos had. As many good insights about Mike and the Beach Boys as anyone I spoke to. Now, I, I didn't know anything about John when I began this project. I, I frankly don't watch TV, so I didn't even know about his career. You know, um, but I, I know he has kind of this image. I think it's kind of a as a you know a handsome guy and a cute guy, but not a guy with a lot of depth. But that's just because of the, the roles he plays and perhaps the way kind of the, the the celebrity industry treats people, but John Stamos was a really, really, or is a really, really smart guy who had a lot of um, insightful things to say about not just about Mike and, and the Beach Boys, but about the whole nature of celebrity in America and how, how you try to remain...
1: Relevant um, across the, the decades. So, okay, let me really let good. me hop. Okay, um, let me let me hop in there. I, then hold on a second. Let me ask. Let me hop in and ask you a question in re- direct regard to that. In relation to that. So, how did John provide you? You just gave me two different examples of what he gave you. Uh, first, speak to the the insight that he gave you into the celebrity world.
3: Well. the emphasize that, um, sort of what, what I, I mentioned a moment ago, that you have to be very selective and smart about what kind of projects you do and, and don't do if you want to stay relevant. And so he, he talked to me a lot about. You know, the, the things that the beach Boys did over the years some of which worked and some of which didn't work where they you know some for a while they had the cheerleaders on stage for a while they had the the cars and the palm trees on stage um, so and, and things that they had that the Beach Boys had to do in order to to to, to keep new generations of fans coming out and he talked about how you know Mike was 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 very um, adamant about Trying to um, find ways to hook up with with corporate partners, starting mm-hmm. back in the, in the in the 80s when no one was was doing it back then, and it was considered kind of crass because it was putting commerce ahead of art. But, but you know, John was mentioning to me, just go. Now, over the years, that temper has has mellowed a bit, but but that side of him, in, in many ways, has served Mike well because that has been what has impelled him to do what he's done with the Beach Boys over all these years. But it's also gotten him into hot water when he said things that he shouldn't have said, or when he's lost his, his temper at times when he shouldn't have. But th- that's the basic duality of Mike Love, and I and I, and and. And John is someone who has seen that over over the many years and really spoke to me about that in a way that was very helpful
1: in terms of celebrity or music celebrities more specifically, what other music celebrities have you ever been kind of exposed to through the in your lifetime prior to working on this book?
3: The answer is none
1: okay so this is a whole new this is a whole new territory view
3: right it was, a, it was a whole new territory so um there was, I would say, a modicum of risk um, for Mike that you know he, he wasn't working with someone who had who, who had a music background. But um, in, in truth, you know, Mike himself is you know he's he's a lyricist, so and and, and he's, he's a singer, uh, he's a singer songwriter. He doesn't write music, so Mike's. Biography was not going to be one that did deep dives into the chord progressions of "Wouldn't It Be Nice" because Mike didn't write those, um, and so we didn't. So he so he didn't really need an an expert in that kind of m- music background. Uh, uh, and w- the music insights that I did need, I could get by reading or, more importantly, by doing interviews with. Various people, including Scott Totten and uh, others, but I, I think one thing that helped the book, and, and I think helped Mike, is that um, because I came into this with kind of a blank slate—not just in terms of the Beach Boys, but also with the music industry. You know, I, I was looking at everything fresh, and I think I saw things in the Beach Boys and saw things in Mike that in, in his life that someone who's been following this story for 20, 30, 40 years would not have seen because, as as you know, David, I mean, so much has been written about the Beach Boys and so much has been said about them in documentaries and film and now online and blogs. Um, You know, I I came into it with absolutely no preconceptions whatsoever, no... uh, um, Biases or points of view, and and I think uh, I think that that helped me because I was able to ask questions of Mike that perhaps wouldn't have been asked by someone who had already a certain point of view about you know what what the history is of the Beach Boys.
0: I came. Someone to help forget about him I gave you love with a brand new start That's what you needed the most To set your broken heart free
1: Uh, was helpful beyond John that you appreciated um, talking to.
3: Um, Sir Maureen, Maureen. who um, grew up not just with you know with Mike and Brian and everybody, but she she performed with with the Beach Boys. She, she she's a harpist mm-hmm. and uh, and she played on a, a number of the songs that the Beach Boys recorded and. Um, and she was helpful as well as a number of the other women who I interview. I, I interviewed uh, Brian's first wife, Marilyn. I interviewed Carl's first wife, Annie. I interviewed Dennis' uh, second wife, Barbara. Um, I interviewed two of Mike's former wives. And I think the women had a perspective on the Beach Boys that was – very much different than the, than the men. Um, and uh, they I, I, just kind of helped me understand the stress that the Beach Boys were under. It, it was very hard for the Beach Boys to be the Beach Boys. Um, they, they faced all kinds of pressures from their fans, from the label, w- within the group, among each other, um, always trying to find ways to... Um, to surpass what they had recently done, and uh, and so I, I just think all all of the women were really helpful. Um, I, I spent three or four hours with David Marks, of course, you know, mm-hmm. who who has been there from the beginning, sure. and he he had great insights um, about um, you know one one question that really. Kind of fascinated me was was just you know why were drugs such an important part of of this band and of the music industry in general and 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 David had his own struggles with alcohol and I mean and he helped me understand just how there's something about being a, a rock star that um, that that ha- that uh, imposes a certain uh, uh, intense pressure because most of us in our jobs, for us to excel, we, we try to do the same thing over and over again. R- repetition is is the way you master a particular skill. Music is different. If you do the same thing over and over again, you are accused of just being stale, of of just r- repeating yourself. The the pressure with, with music, and this is what happened to the Beach Boys and Brian in particular, was how do you exceed what you had just done? And because of that intense pressure, much of which is self-imposed, you start looking for ways to kind of um, short-circuit the system. And the way that you would do that is through marijuana, through LSD, through hash, through all all these drugs that were around you that seemed to promise um, the possibility that you could tap into some create a vein that would allow you to surpass what you had just done. And, uh, and, and, and when David talked to me about those pressures in that context, I think it, it gave me some insights into not just what happened to Brian and Dennis and Carl, but what happened to all these guys back then and women who, whose lives got ensnared with drugs and all too often were overwhelmed by them.
4: And God and karma to paranormal powers. You know, some people do. Got Scorpio rising. uh-huh tell you what's in your star. She was down in Rio. Turned the heads of state. Got him into making this planet a better place the Copacabana Uh-huh Boy does she radiate Better go meditate have it at all I caught her gazing uh at our destiny cosmically
1: To, 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 and I just want to distinguish there's there's a, obviously a very big difference between i think between smoking marijuana and dropping l s d uh, in terms of what it'll do to a person um and yeah i know it's it's it is it is you're you're right it's it's a i don't even think it's an argument but it certainly is an intriguing discussion uh to your point about you know would it would would Brian's evolution as a songwriter and arranger and composer developed in a natural sense with without those influences? And it's it's impossible to say. We'll never know the answer to that. Oh,
3: oh, just I, I want to make this point real quickly. That you know when I talked to David Marks about this very question, he reminded me that uh, Brian was a genius before he ever took marijuana and LSD. That's right. And what what what, what David Marks said to me is that. No, if if Brian had not taken drugs, he he wouldn't have done uh, Pet Sounds, and he wouldn't have done Good Vibrations or Smile. But he would have done something else, and for all we know, that something else would have been just as good, if not better, than that. Oh sure. Body of war.
1: Oh sure. It just may not have happened as quickly. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. it's. I think David's. Uh, that's that's probably very accurate. Yeah.
3: Um, I mean, but and the and the point uh, I, at the risk of, of repeating myself, I, one of the things that I've read over the years in all in all the books about about Pet Sound about the Beach Boys is that is that you know yes my, uh, you know um, Brian's experimentation with drugs was in fact a boon for music fans because we got all this amazing music from that experimentation, but um, but. We don't know that what Brian would have done otherwise wouldn't have even been better than what he had, what he
1: did with the experimentation with with drugs. From your perspective, what events seem to be the most significant in making Mike who he is today?
3: I, I would I would identify a couple. Um, I think when when he was growing up, the the influence of his parents, and it's it's not a single event, but but I think it, it works in the context of your question. Um, it, you know, his his father was this an incredibly hard blue collar worker who who was who, who worked at a steel um uh a, not a steel a, a sheet metal factory that is his own father had started, and his father would go there early in the morning, come home late, he'd work on, on the weekends, and there was this incredible work ethic that his father imposed on Mike that Mike carries to this day, that was one. Two, his mother, um, her love for music, she, and you know she instilled that in all of her kids, including Mike, and just making Mike understand that music is the way that you can bring different people together, whether it was different family members, people from different parts of the community, ultimately different parts of the world. That you know, there was something magic in music, and Mike carried that, has carried that with him his his entire life. Um, I think as an adult, the, what was clearly very important to Mike was um, you know was meeting Maharishi and learning transcendental meditation. Uh, which he does to this day. He he spends two hours each day meditating. Uh, that was uh, you know, so that's been a very important part of his life, and just giving Mike a way to disengage from the world and and try to find some kind of peace. And and finally, the last thing I would say was that when he met his current wife, Jacqueline, in 1986. Uh, at the time, uh, Mike was in in bad shape. He was he, he was he was struggling financially. He had been in bankruptcy. I think he he was still in ban- he was in personal bankruptcy, and uh, he had been married and divorced five times. And um, Jacqueline came and just gave him stability in in his life, in, both in his personal life and his financial life financial life. and ultimately his professional life, because she played a, and continues to play a very big role in running the Beach Boys. Uh, she's one of the most confident people I personally have ever met, and there's no question Mike Mike would not be where he is today, personally or professionally, if he had not met her.
1: Were there any events in Mike's life that you approached him about during the putting, putting the book together that he was reticent uh, about speaking about?
3: You know, Mike was open um, it wasn't so much that Mike was reticent about speaking to me about certain things the The challenge for the book was that Mike is fundamentally an introvert, which it sounds a little bit odd to talk about a a guy who's been on stage for the last five and a half decades, um, but he, he he is an intensely private man. And while he's given hundreds of interviews over the years, talking about you know uh, I get around and how Be True to Your school was written, and you know th- you know those kinds of of, of, of questions. Um, he, when it comes to asking him about his own life, about growing up, about about his parents, about his family, about his fears, about his ambitions, about you know those kinds of things, um, you know that took some work because he uh, he he comes from a, a family in which the men were expected to be stoic that to display your emotion was a sign of weakness to expose yourself was a sign of, of weakness so the the challenge for this book was getting mike to open up about um about those things uh to show his own vulnerabilities and uh and so and so that took time, but over time, I think he, he did come to to not so much to trust me, but to trust the project, and that, you know, Mike, if you're ever going to uh, be fully understood, and, uh, you know, this is what you have to do. Mike is fully aware that he has been maligned over the years, and that there are people who don't like him, And uh, and and if he was ever going to try to... Um, uh, uh, have uh, have a book that did justice to his legacy he was going to have to open up and I think one thing if you read the book um, it, it's brutally honest I mean Mike does not shy away from talking about his mistakes um, personal mistakes professional mistakes and he acknowledges them and, and it's all there and I give him a, a, lot, of, a lot of credit for that
1: Okay. Um, hmm. uh, having attended Mike's first book signing with him uh, in New York, uh, what were your observations from from those in attendance? I mean, I can't... You know, he told me like 400 people were there, but and I know his family was, was all there. Now, I can't imagine that everyone who showed up was, in quotes, uh, a Mike Love fan, more as they were necessarily Beach Boy fans. Tell Tell me a little bit about your... Uh, being there with Mike and the Q&A and your overall uh, impressions of, 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 of how Mike's book is being received
3: Sure, well if I may let me, let me break that in, into two answers, one I, I what's most gratifying about the book for Mike is that he has been getting emails from readers who have said to Mike, you know, I, I read your book, and it turns out I've been wrong about you all these years. I didn't like you because of all the things I had heard about you or read about you, and I now realize that I was mistaken. And if you read some of the reviews of the book, you see that tenor, like the, the review in Vanity Fair, and there was just a, a review in Stanford, Connecticut where they say, you know, Mike Love has been vilified over the years for reasons X, Y, and Z, and that, in retrospect, has probably been false because those, 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 those other criticisms of Mike came from people who had other agendas, and Mike's book has begun to, I think, um, uh, uh, turn the ship among those who had a certain point of view about Mike, and now they realize that that view was wrong, and so, obviously, that's extremely gratifying to Mike and his family and his friends. And then the second part of the question is, well, what what has it been like for Mike when he's gone out and met his fans? I mean, don't forget, this is a guy who has been getting standing ovations for, you know, for 50 years. So it's not like he he doesn't, um, you know, he's he's been deprived of affection you know he's he's used to being embraced and so now when when he goes to these these book signings and i've been to several of them i was i was at one in new york when the book was launched i was with him when they had an event for him at the rock and roll hall of fame in cleveland i was with him when they had an event at the reagan library in california in in, in each of these events i i helped moderate the discussion and um it's it's really heartwarming because uh i mean i think you know these are people who were inclined to like mike love anyway people who probably already knew what he had contributed in terms of the lyrics and and singing the songs but more importantly he's the guy who's kept the catalog alive you know every single member of the original beach boys including david marks and bruce Johnston. Who, who joined after the original five started, every single member at some point quit the Beach Boys, except for one person, Mike Love. He's the only guy who has stayed with the Beach Boys from the day it began to right now. And that's because he was the one who never lost faith in the in the, the music. And the fans who come out to these book signings, they, they know that about him, and uh, they... They know Mike has made mistakes uh, over, over the years, but they know that his contributions, um, as not just what he's done for the Beach Boys, but contributions in his uh, in, in his personal life, his philanthropic uh, activities and whatnot—you um, know—all those uh, are, are really are, are really special. And uh, and so there's you know these these book signings are just they're great events, and I think it's it's. Um, it's extremely heartwarming for Mike to know that now it's not just the music, you know, it's not just the, the songs that people are coming out for, but it's to hear his story.
1: How we, how do you see this book, kind of not for Mike specifically? I mean, it's Mike's book, but for the history of the Beach Boys playing itself out. How how do you see this this book becoming a an ingredient? Maybe a, a pit, maybe it was a missing piece of a bigger
3: puzzle. Yeah, you know, David, that's a great question, because I, and I've thought about this also, that you know, the, what is the history of the Beach Boys, or the question, or maybe the question is, who, who actually knows the history of the Beach Boys? Um, a quick, quick anecdote, it, the, the song Fun, Fun, Fun came out in 1964, written by Mike and Brian. If you ask Mike where they wrote the song, he'll tell you they wrote it in a taxi cab in Salt Lake City. If you ask Brian where they wrote the song, he'll tell you they wrote the song in a hotel in Australia. For all I know, they were in a Ferris wheel in Rhode Island when they wrote that song. <laughs> but they, they they cannot agree on something as innocuous as as where that song was was written. So when people talk about, well, what is the definitive history of the Beach Boys? Oh, there is no definitive history because all their memories and points of view and and biases and, and whatnot you know they, they all shade that history in a different light so i think mike's book will be um uh, uh, one that anyone who cares about the history of the beach boys is going to have to read because i think it's a, it's the a most comprehensive account of the of the beach boys starting from the very beginning to where they are right now in 2016 um i believe it's an extremely uh measured and fair and most importantly accurate account i, I Reject categorically the view that this is somehow Mike Love settling scores or, or, or you know, trying to rewrite history. That is that that couldn't be more false of of this account. Um, and I, you know, and and I think particularly as, as time goes by and um, some of the the angrier voices out there who want to paint the history of Brian and Mike in a certain way, as those voices begin to fade out and, and fans continue to listen to the music, this is David, long after you and I are gone, people are going to read Mike's book and two or three others, as, as I think as, as the, the best uh, and most comprehensive accounts of what this band was all about, what they meant to America, and how they survived for as long as they did.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, now that you're familiar with the Beach Boys, what's your favorite song?
3: Uh, I get asked that question a few times, and um, I would have to say um, Good Vibrations is is a song that I can listen to over and over again and always appreciate in a new way. And so I, and, and I mean, as it happens, that's the name of the book. As it happens, that's probably Mike's favorite song, or at least among them, i um, but you know that's a very special piece of work, and so yeah. I, I, I think that's—I think I have put that one up there.
1: And I, I just think you did a remarkable job using Mike's words and making it feel as though it's all coming directly from him. Because listening to him read the book, I did not feel you in there, and I think that's a tremendous compliment.
3: Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Um, and obviously, it, it, well, it's. I appreciate that on several levels. First, because you obviously know so much of the history and so many of the players involved that the book uh, sounds true and accurate and and reflective of who Mike is and his experience. Obviously, that that says we we did our job, and I think. Mike i m I I've I've not listened to it all, but I've listened to, you know, I don't know, what are the twenty minutes of the of the tape and Mike does have that kind of Shakespearean voice, you know, but he when he when he tells the, the story and I thought that came out very well.
4: you through your day without coming apart You need a cool head and a warm heart And that's how every day should start Hey there my friend, now don't you get stressed out Especially about things you can't do nothing about The nature of life is to be always changing And what you need when things start to rearrange come to pass, a but a cool head will always show a lot of class.
1: Like to thank my special guest today, Jim Hirsch, who helped Mike Love with his new memoir, "Good Vibrations: My Life as a Beach Boy." And I, I'd like to really reiterate how invaluable it is to pick up the audio version. It's downloadable, or it's a 12-disc, nearly 15 hours worth of listening set. Both are—it's just invaluable to hear, actually, Mike actually reciting the book. I mean, it's—it's it's, it's fascinating. In the meantime, before until our next. Podcast. Before we get to episode eight, be sure and go over to to Facebook. If you're on Facebook already, if you haven't already, like the Mike Love Facebook page to follow Mike's uh, activities and click on the events button there. And you'll see where Mike is doing his tour dates with Bruce and company, as well as any book appearances, book signings he might be doing uh, at uh, various bookstores. Um, It's just it's being received so well. It's great, as well as his cousin, Brian Wilson's book. I am Brian Wilson. His new memo, Brian's new memo, is also available. So if you go over to Brian's page on Facebook, you'll be able to check out what Brian's up to and follow his stories and his postings, as well as their bandmate, trusty old Al Jardine. He's also on Facebook. Check him out. All three have websites, of course, MikeLove.com, BrianWilson.com, and AlJardine.com. And, of course, TheBeachBoys.com. So those are the four main sites that you're going to want to follow. And then in the meantime... (laughs) You got to have subscriptions. You want to get your Beach Boy fill, right? I hope so. Head over to ESQUARTERLY.com. That's E S Q U A R T E R L Y.com. And that's where you can learn all all about the magazine Endless Summer Quarterly and I work on with my good friend Lee Dempsey and of course we have two great uh, volunteer assistants who, uh, the wonderful guys Ron Cole and Keith DeVoe who help us edit the product so credit where credit is due and I couldn't do it without uh, all three of the guys uh, invaluable assets to the to the product that we put out and, um, and of course the Beach Boys themselves for always taking the time to share their thoughts of mostly 50 year ago events um, and uh, and follow what they're up to. And in fact, speaking of, of, of kind of before, well, I'll finish this thought. You know, so head over to well, if you're on Facebook, head over to Endless Summer Quarterly's page. See all the different things we've given away that have been autographed by the guys. I mean, we're I think we're up to twelve. We've done twelve. I think around twelve different giveaways now, where we, you know, gave away Pet Sound sessions box set signed by Brian, Mike, Al, and Bruce, and they sign them right in front of us. So this is this is the real deal, folks. And we're getting ready to send give away a two CD, Pet Sound Sessions, two CD set, 50th anniversary, two disc collection signed by Mike, Brian, Al, and Bruce. Right right in front of me, I bring them, they sign them. Mike and Bruce already have a whole uh, set of, of shows they're going to be doing going in the 2017 and and at least half the year now. And Brian and, and Al and Blondie Chaplin are going out on the road and continuing Pet Sounds in the 2017 Whole lot of uh, new tour dates have been added, so be sure and follow these guys. And and if they if you've seen them already, and they've come through your area, and if they're coming through your area again, go see it again. And and be sure and pick up the tour programs uh brian's uh pet sounds 50 uh tour program is is really cool and uh proud to say that i i had the good effort the, the the wonderful opportunity on working on the beach boys 50th uh official tour program uh good vibrations 50 years of good vibrations tour program and i did that with dean torrance who uh uh was able to provide the um tour program cover art, as well as a lot of airbrush lettering that we incorporated into the interior of the program in terms of the lyrics to the song. Good vibrations. Uh, looks really great, and it's a whole it's a whole uh, storyline backstory to the the Beach Boys' lives uh, from the whole 1966, starting with their first tour of Japan and, and, and onward. It's it's uh, I promise it's a great time capsule, really cool. And the last three editions. If you're saying, well, what's endless summer quarterly, and, and, and what what does that offer that I can't get anywhere else? Well, I'll tell you. For example, if you bought the new 50th anniversary box set. The Pet Sounds Sessions box set. There was no extensive liner notes. There's some pull quotes and some nice pictures that were used, but there's no new interviews. Well, if you want to know how the Beach Boys reflect on the Pet Sounds Sessions and good vibrations now, 50 years later, be sure and pick up the summer edition of Endless Summer Quarterly, where I interview Mike. Al and Bruce about the pet sound sessions and their lives on the road as the touring beach boys. Remember Brian, Brian was now working strictly out of the studio and doing rare TV appearances by this time in 1966. And um, the fall edition, which is the 50 years of good Vibrations celebration that included a brand new interview with Brian. Now Brian discusses his things, his perspective from the studio, all about pet sounds and then good vibrations. And when we get to the good vibrations part, he's joined by Mike, Hal and Bruce, and all four of them, in addition to the wrecking crew members, Hal Blaine and Don Randy. They all talk about good vibrations and, and what a significant recording and we know that it is today. So if you're wondering, how do I get unless summer quarterly delivered? It's really simple. Head over to esquarterly.com. That's E-S-Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y.com. When you get there, you're gonna be on the landing page. It's a jukebox. It starts to play music. Right behind the jukebox is a palm tree. At the very top of the palm tree, there's a sign post that's attached to the palm tree, and just click on it. It's says subscribe to the magazine. It'll take you right to the page, gives you all the information. Regardless of where you live in the world, it's a very easy process. Just keep in mind one thing for me. We're a small operation. As great as the magazine turns out every time, we're a small operation. The the database is handled by one individual. The design, the interviewing, the layout is handled by another individual. So, as 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 proud as we are of how the product turns out, please keep in mind we're two people that are that are kind of putting this together and maintaining this great publication for the Beach Boys. And sometimes, depending on the time of year or our work schedules. Uh, turning turning a request around of maybe a back issue or a sample issue or something like that may not go as quickly as just being kind of in the loop as a one-year subscriber because then you get the magazine on time just with everybody else. So that's that's kind of why you want to get into the loop, to get all these exclusives firsthand from the Beach Boys themselves, what's going on in their lives, things that are going on, things that will happen soon. And I guess the, the last thing I'll just mention on, on that note is... Um, Mike Love does have a solo uh, album project uh, coming out in 2016, and he's hopeful that it'll be in the first quarter. There's no deadline right now, there's no confirmation of that right now, but just keep in mind, Mike does have a solo project that he's working on uh, of music, and I'm looking forward to that. And there's been kind of uh, whiffs in the air, too, that uh, there may be a Brian uh, Wilson project not too far around from around the corner. Endless Summer Quarterly uh, will be celebrating a number of things, uh, chief among them, the Smile Center sessions uh we'll be we'll be really diving in uh less focus on um the circumstances of why smile was shelved more focus on the sessions themselves and the story uh as the sessions happened and and the meaning behind the sessions for the different songs and and what those songs were about and and what van dyke parks and brian wilson were trying to communicate in 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 writing the different uh material that that was to be uh, for the Smile Project. That's going to be the focus of one of our upcoming editions of Endless Summer Quarterly, as well as the Smiley Smile album, the Late in Hawaii Project, which was going to be a live release, and then of course late next year of 2017 we're going to be having a beautiful uh, Wild Honey Focus. So look for stuff, look for exclusives, look for more giveaways as we go into the new year. It's, it's all happening with Endless Summer Quarterly. While you follow the Beach Boys activities, follow us as well. Subscribe today, and you can be entered for a chance to win. Hope you've enjoyed episode seven. Episode eight is coming real soon.
3: I asked Brian one time. Um, I guess we were just on a long conversation talking just about life and, you know, the, some of the stuff that we'd gone through. And I said, well, why do you think we succeeded in such a big way? He said, well, I think the music um, celebrated the joy of life
2: in
0: a real simple way.
3: Hi, this is Jim Murphy, author of Becoming the Beach Boys, 1961 to 1963, and you're listening
1: to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys podcast. Sponsored by
2: Endless Summer Quarter